Hey, welcome back to another Deep Rooted Podcast. These are audio messages taken from our Sunday services right here at Deep Rooted Church, and we're just so thankful that you've taken your time to join us today. Uh, it's going to be another good one, no exception. We are in a new series entitled The Plan to Expand. I'm so excited about this one. This was such a great message for me to preach on as our church is getting ready to enter 2024 with the plan to expand. There's so many good things that God's going to do in this next year. And so if we're preparing the church uh, this Sunday to get ready for this expansion. So today's message is called Bold Faith. I believe it's going to encourage you. I believe it's going to help you enter into the new year. And so we just want you to tune in and to get as much as you can out of this. I want to thank all of those who support the ministry financially. Uh, I want to thank our faith builders, our house builders, and our kingdom builders specifically, those who sow into the kingdom of God in those three areas. We just want to thank you so much for your participation, for your support, uh, for your love for the church. And we believe God has a big blessing in store for you. If you want to give and start your giving journey with us, just go to deeprooted.church slash give, or you can text any dollar amount to the number 84321. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into today's message called Bold Faith. I saw this letter from a college student to her parents, and it says this, Dear Mom and Dad, There was a riot on campus, and from the smoke I inhaled, I developed a life-threatening lung disease. I'm at the hospital, and I met this parking lot attendant. We fell in love. Our baby is on the way. After one month, when he gets off of probation, I'm going to drop out of college, and we are going to move to Alaska and get married. Signed, your loving daughter. P.S., None of this is true, but I did fail chemistry. (laughs) How many of you would like to get that letter from your daughter? You got your Bibles this morning? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54. Now, Isaiah chapter 53 is one of the most amazing scriptures in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 53 deals with what Jesus did on the cross for you and I. And it's important that you know those things. But we're going to Isaiah 54 today. And we're starting off in verse 2. The scripture says this, Enlarge the place of your tent. Someone say enlarge. Enlarge. Say it again, enlarge. Enlarge. Say it with some gumption, enlarge. enlarge. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. As we approach the new year, I want to encourage us today that how we end this year determines how we start the next one. If we finish strong in 2023, we'll start 2024 strong. But if we end the year weak, if we end the year laxed, lazy, then we'll start the new year lazy. So I want to encourage us today to end this year 
strong, to end this year with expectation. And for the next three weeks, today, next week, and the next week, I want to talk to you about something that's going to launch us into 2024 and what I believe the Lord is, is instructing us for the next year to come. So Vision Sunday is coming up, like I mentioned earlier, and we're going to talk about the vision of the church, uh, what we expect to do for the year, things that we did this past year, and just kind of give you an update on things to come. And every year, I believe the Lord gives us a new word, and, and the first year... Uh, I'm sorry, last year, the Lord gave us the word clarity, seeing God more clearly in life, being able to discern him from everything else. And I feel like throughout this last year, a lot of things were revealed to us um, from the Holy Spirit. Uh, a lot of things happened during Spirit Wind Conference, and we saw a lot of things unravel. And I feel like the, the full nature of God has been on display throughout this past year at the church. And so going into 2024, I believe the Lord has told us another word. And I believe that this next year is a year of expansion. A year of expansion. And I don't only mean here in the church, but concerning your life. Concerning your own personal life. I believe that there is expansion happening to those who want it. To those who believe for it those who have faith for it. <clears throat> um, and I believe that there's expansion happening here in the church. Um, and like I said, we'll, we'll talk about all that on Vision Sunday, but I want to prepare us before Vision Sunday on what does that mean, expansion. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be in a series called The Plan to Expand. The Plan to Expand. If you're writing sermon notes down today, write the title of today's message, Bold Faith. Bold faith. Isaiah 54 deals with this. Enlarge the place of your tent. What does that mean? Make it bigger. Expand it. Grow it. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out of the curtains of your dwelling. But here's the other part of this scripture. Do not spare, it says. Do not spare. See, I believe this next year we need to start preparing for growth and for prosperity. Because I said, God is trying to get it to you so that he can get it through you. And the way that he gets it, if, the way he gets it to you is that there has to be room for you to receive it in the first place. If you don't have room to receive what God wants to give to you, there's no place for him to give it to. There's no place for him to put it. If we're so uh, cluttered, with, with things of our own desire and things of our own wants, it's very hard for God to stuff what he wants inside of the things that we want for our own self. The Bible says to desire, uh, or to, that, to seek the Lord first and he will give you the desires of your heart. Many times people think that this is referring to God giving you whatever you want. That if you seek the Lord first, he'll give you whatever you want. But that's not what it's saying. It's saying when you put God first, he will then give you desires. He will give you desires for your heart. He won't just give you whatever you want. Um, but what will happen is you will start to transform into, into what he wants. 
And your wants will then transform into what he wants. And he will start to give you those desires in your heart. The desire to help people. The desire to be a blessing. The desire to love on people. And he'll give you those desires as you start growing in him. <clears throat> so part of expansion and, and enlarging your territory, part of that and a big part of that requires expectation. We need to have an expectation to receive it in the first place. Amen? We can't just sit there and say, well, Lord, whatever, whatever you want to do, do it, and then not do anything about it. Not prepare in advance for it. If you have to get ready, it means you're not ready. And what I want us to be, I want us to be prepared. I want us to be ready for the time that comes when God does want to expand in your life. You're ready. You're prepared. We have a testimony of a couple here in the church who heard me talk about something uh, very similar to this a few years ago uh, about expecting a baby. And if you want, if you if you're believing the Lord for a baby, get the nursery ready. Don't wait for it. Get the nursery ready. And they took those words. They built out their nursery. They started sowing in to the nursery of the church. And not that long after, they received a positive pregnancy test. And now they have their baby boy with us today. And there's, there's things all throughout Scripture that show us that preparation needs to have expectation with it. You have to be expecting what you're preparing for. Again, we, we just got to use common sense a lot of the times. If you have guests coming over for the holidays, you prepare a room for them if they're staying with you, correct? When we have guest speakers, we prepare a room for them to come. Now, how foolish would it be to ask someone to come and have no place prepared for them? That shows me you weren't even expecting them to come in the first place. Mm. Expectation is vital when it comes to receiving what we're believing the Lord for. <clears throat> now, I mentioned that Isaiah 53 is a big chapter, a big chapter concerning our spiritual life. Um, it's, it's the chapter that talks about, it's pro prophesying what Jesus was going to go through. I'll read a little bit of it, and you're familiar with it. Surely he has borne our griefs and he's carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Amen. And that's a part of it. That's a part of Isaiah 53. It goes on, and there's a lot more good stuff in here uh, that talks about what Jesus came to do, what Jesus was going to do for us. It even says that this is God saying, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Jesus. He has to put him to grief when you make his soul an offering of sin. He shall be his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It says that God was pleased to do this to Jesus, not because he's some psycho and, and a weirdo, but because he knew 
the consequence of what Jesus was going to have to go through. He knew that when Jesus finished the work on the cross, we would have right relationship with God again. Amen? He knew that. He was pleased by what was going to happen. And so this whole chapter deals with what Jesus did for us on the cross and what he broke for us. Now, if you go back to the Old Testament and you read all the the blessings and the cursings that Mary was mentioning earlier, how God said, I have set before you life and death, blessings, cursings, therefore choose life so that you and your seed will prosper, so that you and your seed will live. And all of those blessings and cursings were conditional upon performance. If you followed the the word of the Lord, you would receive the blessing of the Lord. If you didn't follow the word of the Lord, you would receive the curses. And that was a conditional relationship with the Lord. You do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. Now, however, in Galatians, it says that Jesus became the curse. Jesus, he, he became sin for us who knew no sins that we could become righteous. He took the curse away. He broke the curse. He, he fulfilled the curse. It was all done. And so because of that, what's left in the Old Testament law of blessing and cursing if curses are done? The blessings. That's it. That's all. It's only the blessings that are left over from the Old Testament law. And so because of that, We can now read Isaiah 54, which says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out uh, the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your rods. We can read that now in light of what Jesus did, breaking the curse of the law, because all of these blessings now that Jesus provided for us are now ready to come into our life, and it needs us to enlarge. It needs us to expand the place of our territory. You familiar with the prayer of Jabez? Enlarge the place of my territory. And that's what we're believing the Lord for this next year. Again, not only just for the church, but for your individual lives. Whatever that looks like between you and the Lord, be ready to expand your territory. See, faith does not prepare for the worst but it expects the best. Faith does not prepare for the worst. It expects the best. I want to read this out out of the New Living Translation. If you put it on the screens, it says, Enlarge your house. Build in addition. Spread out your home and spare no what? No what? See, we don't like that word when we're looking at our budget. Many times, we like to find the cheapest option to get something done, don't we? I remember we we remodeled our house when we first moved into it. And we're shopping around and we're looking and we're seeing all the different flooring, all the different paints, the different furniture, all that stuff. And and, and we were newlyweds, so we didn't have much money to our names yet. And so we're looking, oh, this is on sale. Oh, that's on sale. Oh, this is a, you buy one, get this half off. Let's use this discount and, and all those things. It's so funny um, because we're looking to, to, we're looking to spare the expenses. We're, we're looking to do things as cheap as possible so that we could save a little bit more money, Right? 
I mean, how many of us have done that? Don't, don't, don't be a liar today. We all do it. We all do it. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying that you're sinning. I'm not saying that God's mad at you. I'm not even saying that I'm mad at you. I still do that sometimes. However, we, have to, we need to get to a place in life where we aren't dictated by price. We're not dictated by expense. I've done this, and I'm, I'm telling you, I don't do things, I don't tell you to do things that I don't do myself. That'd be, that'd be hypocritical. Um, what, what I preach is what I do, so I, that way you know that we're on the same page here. I do not, do not go to the store with my wife and my son, say, we can't get that because it's too expensive. I do not do that. I will never do that. My son will never hear those words come out of my mouth. Daddy, can I get this? No, son, it's too expensive. He will never hear that. Want to know why? Because I'm not moved by expense. Now, we may not be able to afford it in the moment right then and there, but that does not mean that God can't get it to us. When we say things like that's too expensive, what we're really saying is we can't make it happen. We can't do it. And that's true. You can't. But we got to recognize who can. God can do that. I've heard many stories, again, from pastors Jeremy and Sarah. They have, they have their children, and whenever they go looking and wanting stuff and wanting toys and, and whatnot, they'll do the same thing. They will not tell their kids it's too expensive. But what they, what they will say is, ask the Lord for it. Pray about that. If you want this, pray about this. And um, many times... On many occasions, their children get what they want from someone else. Because God used someone else to bless the children with what they wanted. They didn't bypass the parents because the parents are in agreement with this. The parents are in agreement with, Lord, however you want to get it to them, get it to them. If you want to get it to them through us, so be it. If you want to get it to them through our friends, so be it. But needless to say, their children get what they want because they trust God as their provider. Not mommy and daddy. Oh, come on, church. There, there's, there's some good stuff there. But we got to get to a place where, and again, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying that you shouldn't look for the best deal. That's good stewarding. You're, you're, you're not spending unwisely. However, don't let that become your God. Don't let that become your idol. Where you only buy the cheapest option. Because sometimes God wants to give, give you the best. Amen? Amen? Some of you religious folks got a chill down your spine right now. I can feel it. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. It says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Now, this is, the, this is where I want to get into today. We, were, we, we talked briefly about expansion and expectation. Expectation ties with your faith. You, you're expecting what you have faith for. You expect what you're believing for. So I want to get into the topic of faith uh, just for a few more minutes. And uh, it says here, faith works through love. 
faith working. I don't know what translation you're reading. My translation says faith working through love. Uh, you can also read it saying faith works through love. Um, this is just an old English way of saying uh, works. Faith is working through love. Faith works through love. But let me just say this. Where there is no revelation of love, there can be no operation of faith. Where there is no revelation of love, there can be no operation of faith. What do I mean by that? How can you have faith in a God that you think wants to smite you? How can you have faith that God wants to get something good into your hand when you believe that that same God will punish you for doing something wrong? See, where there's no revelation of God's love for you, there can be no operation of your faith in him. Mm. We need to know his love. Faith does not work. He says, for in Christ Jesus, it's neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. In other words, he's saying in Christ Jesus, it's not works. It's not how good you can be. It's not the deeds that you do. It's not how much money you can sow. It's not any of those works. But what is it? It's faith working through love. It's knowing how much you're loved by the creator, by his son Jesus. It's knowing that love, that's when your faith can begin to work. So I want us to make two decisions today, if you're all right with that. Number one, make the decision that faith works. Faith works. What happens is we have people all over the world looking for something that's working. They're just trying to find something that works. And you know, you might have met someone who, who's trying to figure out, a, figure out something. You go, oh, wait, wait, wait. There's an app for that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got something that works. Oh, I, I have this certain recipe. And they're, always, they're looking for something that, that works in, in life. No one's ever looking for something that doesn't work. We're, we're always looking for something that works because we want to reap the benefit of the thing that works. Uh, we have what we call social media influencers today. And their only job is to do what? Show you what works. Hey, we got this new derma roller face cleaner, all this stuff. Oh, it really works wonders. Here's my 10% off coupon code, right? We got those everywhere. Influencers on social media telling you things that you did not ask for and showing you things that work. Well, as, as sons and daughters of Christ and of Jesus, uh, of God, we should be the ones that go to people and say, oh, you're dealing with sickness? I got something that works. You're dealing with depression? I got something that works. You're, you're dealing with loneliness? You're dealing with condemnation? I've got something that works. See, we have to get to a place and make a decision that faith works in my life. I don't care what's happening around me. I don't care what's going on all over the world. We need to know that faith works, and we got to be those influencers we got to be those people that say, we have something, and that something works. And what is it? Faith. Faith in what? Faith in him. Faith in Jesus, the one who makes it work. 
the one who gives us the ability to make things work. Now, here's the, the word work in the Greek. It's the Greek word energeo. Where do we get that word? What word do we get from there? Energy. We get the word energy from this word. In other words, faith works. Faith has energy to it. it it's a working, living thing. It's, a, it's alive. Now, people will, will slander this and will, they'll say, oh, you, so faith is a force. I mean, it's not the force from Star Wars. I mean, that's called telekinesis. Different thing here. But it is an energy. And, and, and it, it produces things. Now, what dead thing do you know that produces anything? Nothing. If it's dead, it can't produce anything. But if, it's, if faith is producing something, that tells me that it's alive. Doesn't it, church? It tells me that it's working. It's actively working. It is energeo. It is active energy working. And, and look at any person in this room today, anyone that you walk and you encounter outside, the, everyone that's alive, breathing today have one thing in common, and that one thing is they all have energy. There's energy moving all throughout their body, flowing all throughout their body. Someone's dead, what happened? There's no more energy. There's no more activity working throughout their body, is there? And just to take things a little bit even further, I'm not no scientist or anything, but I do know that our bodies on the inside, are being, are, they, we run off of electricity. There's, there's electrons all throughout our body that give us life. And it, you can dissect all of that and it somehow will point to God uh, some way. All science points to God and, and, it, and it should because God created everything and science tries to study creation and all that creation should point back to God being creator. So we have energy on the inside of us and there's energy that works through faith. So we have to make a decision today that faith works in my life. You ever done something or tried something that worked for somebody else but it didn't work for you? I'll give you an example. I play pickleball. I mentioned it earlier. Man, pickleball is God's sport. It's the best. <laughs> They're up there playing it right now. And uh, I've been playing just for a few months, and I don't know how good I am. I just know that I'm, I'm, I'm having fun. And we're playing, playing pickleball. I, I like to play with my dad. And uh, sometimes we... we uh, we like to try out new paddles, new pickleball paddles. And there's some that have the spin. You can spin the ball really good. There's some there's for power. There's some for control. There's all these different paddles for different type of uses. And what people will do is they'll go online, they'll go on YouTube, and they'll type in the best paddle for pickleball. The best, what, what pickleball paddle should I buy? And all these people will say, oh, this works for me. This is what the pros use. Yes, there are professional pickleball <laughs> players. This is what pros use. And they'll use these paddles to get the most spin and the most aggression. And, and, and they'll like show videos of them using it and how it, it works, right? And then you'll buy it. You buy the pickleball paddle because it works. And then you get it in your hand. 
And then you go out in the court and you try to hit the ball and you missed. <laughs> and you did worse than you did with your other paddle. What happened? I thought this paddle worked. It worked for this guy. You know what happened? User error. What does that mean? It's not the paddle's fault. It's the user's fault. The user doesn't know how to use the paddle to their advantage. Because give it some time, practice with the paddle, and I can guarantee you, you're going to start learning how to use the paddle to your advantage. Now, when we say faith works, you know what the devil's trying to tell you? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Faith works. Are you sure about that? Faith works. Well, remember what happened last year when you had faith for this? Does it really work? And what happens is when we try using faith and we don't see it working, we blame the paddle. Oh, it's, it's the paddle. No, no, my friend. The paddle works. It's the user. Give it some time, and you'll start learning how to use faith for your advantage. Amen? It's not the faith that's the problem. And that's why I love the word. I love God, because he makes things so simple. Whenever people are going through things or they're not seeing a promise come to pass like they, they thought they would, or they don't see the word happening in their life like they thought they would, and they hear me preach something about faith, and they go home and it doesn't work. I love this about the word because I can tell you, you don't have a faith problem. It's an understanding problem. And that's good news. Because if faith is the issue, and if faith's not working, there's not much you can do about that. That's out of your control. But if it's you who's not using it correctly, you can control that. You can fix that. But I said it's good news, but it's also tied with some bad news. You know what that bad news is? It takes some responsibility. That's the bad news. The bad news is you have to own up to it and say, I didn't do it correctly. I didn't do it how I was supposed to be doing it. And, and we don't like to do that because that takes humility. That takes responsibility. That takes lowering ourselves and admitting we were wrong. It's easier to blame something that seems like no one can control, like faith. Oh, that's just faith stuff. Doesn't work. Hold on now. Works for a lot of people. How come you're the only exempt one now? Again, we're just using common sense today. That's all we're doing. Uh, go with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. This is what it says here in, in verse 16. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. What's the power of God? The gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, 
for it is the power. The gospel in and of itself is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. In other words, you can say for everyone who has faith. For everyone who puts faith in Jesus. For the Jew first, also for the Greek, for Greek verse 17. For in it, in what? The gospel. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. And let me just, uh, let me hone in on that last sentence. The just shall live by faith. What does that mean? What does it mean to be just? What does it mean to be the just who lives by faith? Well, we kind of dealt with it last week. And, and what, what did we talk about last week? Anyone remember? Because I don't. We talked about righteousness. We talked about your identity and that your identity is tied to your prosperity. How you identify yourself and who you identify yourself with determines your success. If we identify ourselves with Christ, that means we identify with his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. We identify with him and, and in him, the righteousness of God is revealed. So when it says the just shall live by faith, it means the ones who are in right standing with God. The ones who are, in, who are right in the sight of God are those who live by faith. But it doesn't just stop at salvation. It says the just live by faith. The just continue to live by faith. It didn't say the just receive salvation through faith and then that's it. It says the just live by faith. So the same faith that has the power to make us innocent in the sight of God is the same faith that we need to depend on making every single decision for the rest of our life. All of it. Including believing God for expansion. Believing God for whatever it is he's placed on your heart to believe him for. The same faith that you used to believe God for your salvation, which is called saving faith, is the same faith that you need to use for everything else. Why? Because things that we need to be freed from are things we need to be saved from. And when we put faith in him who saved us, that word saved means sozo, bringing up to life, wholeness and completeness. So we need to not just have faith for salvation, but have faith for every single thing for the rest of our life. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says that faith pleases God. When you have the opportunity to utilize faith, God is being pleased. Again, I touched on it last week, that when my son first started saying those two syllables, dada, it brought a joy in me that it, I, it's unexplainable. Not just because he said dada, but because he's learning my language. 
And the language of God is the language of faith. And when we operate in the language of faith and start operating in faith, it's God just like me feeling so happy. Say it again, son. Say it again. God's telling you, say it again, child. Say that again. And faith is what pleases him. So it's only right, again, common sense, that every day we should be living and walking by faith in everything. Because faith works. This would not make sense if faith did not work. But because we are sure that faith works, we're able to walk by it. So number two, make the decision today that me and my house, we're going to walk by faith. Make the decision today that my household walks by faith. The Ochoa household walks by faith. The Snyder household walks by faith. The Sandoval household walks by faith. You have to make that decision. I can't make it for you. God can't make it for you. You need to make it for yourself. Make the decision today that I'm going to walk by faith. Going back to Romans 16, he opens it and he says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Are you? You have to ask yourself that. Am I or am I not ashamed of the gospel? What does that even mean to be ashamed of the gospel? What we've commonly done is we've said, well, I'm not afraid to, to share my faith with Jesus, about Jesus. I'm not afraid to, to say I believe in Jesus. I'm not ashamed in that. And that is part of the gospel, absolutely. But that's not all of it. I said that's not all of it. That's just a part of the gospel. So how can you tell if you are or you're not, or not ashamed of the gospel? Let me ask you this. How can you tell, how do you really, really know that you are the righteousness of God through Jesus? How do you know? It's in the Bible. What's the evidence? Mm. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week. There should be fruit. I heard someone say it. There should be fruit. Do you know what one of the fruits of righteousness is? I'll give you the answer. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. Look at what it says here. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the what? The righteous are what? Friends, there should be a boldness about your life that declares I'm the righteousness of God through Jesus. That I am the righteousness of God through Jesus. Why don't you say that? I am the righteousness of God 
through Jesus. We all have that in common. Not a one of you said, I am the righteousness of God through your name. We all said the same thing through Jesus. Again, it has nothing to do with how good you are, your own works, your own, uh, your, your own attributes. Nothing, nothing about you makes you the righteousness of God only through Jesus. Amen? Amen. But boldness is a trait of being righteous. We talked about it last week. I'm referencing a lot of stuff from last week because it's all connected. Different series, but it's all connected. Caleb, after the spies went out and sought the land, they come back and they all said it's too big, it's too grand, there's giants there, the fruit's too big, the houses are too big, we can't do it. What did Caleb say? We can surely take that city. Surely we can do that. That's easy. And everyone else came with their doubt and unbelief. And, and what we identified last week was that Caleb, he knew his identity. Because at the beginning of all of this, God told the Moses, go and scout the land which I am going to give you. Did he not say that? So then Caleb says, surely God will give it to us if he is pleased with us. Well, God was already going to give it to them. So he was pleased with them. Caleb knew his identity. So boldness is a fruit of our righteousness. But what's a fruit of boldness? What's a fruit of boldness? The way you speak, the way you speak determines so many things. Now, I'll say things a lot, and I, I'll, I'll say things pretty bluntly. I'll just tell you how it is. Number one, because I don't want you to misunderstand anything I'm saying. So I'm just going to tell you how it is. If it hurts like sandpaper, well, I'm sorry about it. Sana, sana, kwitarana, it's all fine. But... I also say things straightforward and, and just bluntly because you're not who I answer to. I'm not going to answer to you in heaven. I'm not going to see you in heaven and go, I'm so sorry I said that the way I said it. Would you please forgive me? No, you got to heaven. I did my job. <laughs> but what I am going to answer, I'm going to answer to God. And God's going to say, did you speak the truth or did you sugarcoat the truth? Did you tell them what I told you to tell them? Or did you give them a version because you didn't want them to be offended? That's who I'm going to answer to. I'm not afraid of you. I'm afraid of that right there. I don't want to answer to that and say, I'm sorry. I want to do what God told me to do. So I speak bold in that way. We need to start speaking with boldness. And naturally from what we say, we'll begin to do what we say. We'll begin to show fruits of boldness in our actions. But it first has to start right here. It first starts in, our, in, our, in the way we speak. Um, in Acts chapter 3, I don't know why my earpiece is acting up right now. Never had an issue with this thing. In Acts chapter 3, there's a lot to, uh, to, to cover. So I'm going to try to get through it as, as 
as paraphrased as I can. But this is the story where Peter and John, they go to the temple gate called Beautiful, and they see this man lame from birth asking for alms. And he's looking for change, looking for someone to give him some money. And so what happens is Peter and John walk by the man, and he says, look at us. The man looks at him and Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. That's called boldness. Being able to say, I have what Jesus has is boldness, especially coming from a time and an era and a culture where no one, not even the high priest had access to that. Now, all of a sudden, here comes Peter, some, some guy who looks just like a, a street bum walking around, has sandals on, dirty feet, has just a robe on. And now he says, I have what Jesus has. Get up and walk. What I have, I give unto you. Rise up and walk. And so what happens is this man, he says that he grabbed onto him and he pulled him up. And lifted him up, and his feet and his ankle bones received strength. What happened there? That man received energy, life, energy through faith. The next chapter, after all this happened, the man goes leaping around and and telling everyone about what Jesus did for him. And the religious leaders didn't like it. And so they took Paul and John and they, they put them in, into custody. And, and they were ridiculing them and telling them, which authority and which power do you do all these things in? And he said, we do these things based on the power and the authority of Jesus, the one whom you crucified, the one who you rejected. That's boldness. That's boldness to be able to stand in front of these political leaders, these religious leaders, and say, we do it on the, man, the man's authority that you killed, that you tried to crucify. That takes some boldness. He goes on in, 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 in the next chapters, and it says that they got to a point where these leaders, they couldn't find any fault in Peter or John. They had nothing to accuse them of. So it says they let them go. So they let them go to their own kind. And in here, in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 18, before they got let go, this is what Peter said to them. He says, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you be the judge. Again, this is boldness. This is boldness coming out of the mouth of Peter and John. And he says, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Friends, once God's been doing things in your life, you cannot not share it. there's, There's so much that goes on that you have to share it. That's why we have glory stories for you to do for you to share the things that God does for you. But once you have that understanding, and when God starts working in your life like he did in in the apostles, like he did in the lame man, you can't help but say what God did. You can't help 
but preach people the truth. You can't help but share with other people, I got something that works. I got something that works. And what is it? It's faith. It's, it's bold faith. Now, it says they were let go and they went back to their own companions and they told the elders and the priests what, they, what the threats were. And this was their prayer in verse 24. It says, so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And now, Lord, behold, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness, they may do what? Speak your word. That they may speak your word. <clears throat> you can see the trend here. That this boldness that Peter and John had, that the disciples had, that many other people in the Bible had, this boldness all had the same fruit. And it was speaking up. Speaking up when people were trying to silence them. Boldness is if boldness speaks up, shame tries to shut up. You ever noticed that before? Boldness tries to speak up, but shame tries to shut up. In other words, when you th- have you ever been to a, a, a point in your life where, like in Romans chapter one, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and then you're out in public and you see this person and the Lord nudges on your heart, says, Go minister to them. Go, go tell them about me. And at first you're like, okay. And then, oh, but what if they say this? Or, okay, oh, but what if this happens? Or, oh, but what if I say something wrong? What if I get embarrassed? You know what that is? That's shame trying to shut you up. When you have the boldness trying to speak up. There's boldness in every righteous man and woman of God. And the opposite of it is shame trying to shut you up. Because that's what he's trying to do, the enemy. The enemy has been working overtime for thousands of years to try to create a culture. And we're seeing it today. He's trying to create a culture, a cancel culture that makes people afraid of saying something they should say. He's trying to create a culture to get people to stop talking about the goodness of God, about the things God wants to bless them with. And friends, if we're not careful, we will not recognize when and how the enemy does this. And let me tell you this, he's doing it right underneath our noses in the church in the church there are people all over the world in the church that are trying to shut you up for what you believe for what you claim is the truth but boldness speaks up amen boldness speaks up 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. First, the Jew, also for the Greek. Again, we often think that being ashamed of the gospel and not being ashamed of the gospel is telling people about Jesus. And again, that is, that is a part of it. That is certainly a part of it. But that's not all of it. The enemy is trying to, to shut you up because he knows your miracle is in your mouth. Your miracle is in your mouth. When people say, be careful, this new virus is out. Make sure you're careful. I don't get sick. People will try to shut you up. What do you mean you don't get sick? Everybody gets sick. We all get sick. Not me. I don't, I choose not to. I decide not to. And that'll ruffle some feathers because people will say, well, I've tried that and it didn't work. That's the enemy trying to get you to stop talking about what God's trying to get out of your mouth. And what we need to do, church, and what I encourage you to do is to be bold and lay claim by faith what God is trying to get into your hands. I don't care what it is. If God told you to believe for something big, you need to be bold and not just receive it in your heart, but start confessing with your mouth that that is what you're going to receive that that is what you're gonna see come into your life. Regardless if the world tries to get you to stop talking about it, regardless if the church tries to get you to stop talking about it, we need to make the decision today to be bold that number one, what was it? Faith works. And number two, I am going to live my life by faith. I am going to walk by faith every day, even if it looks funny to some people, even if some people start mocking me, even if some people start ridiculing me, I am going to walk by faith and not just any faith, but with bold faith to see the promises of God manifest into my life. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Every single step that we take should be a walk of faith. Every step. I, I will even, I'll further encourage you to even do this. Go to the grocery store and ask the Lord, what should I buy? Have faith that he'll instruct you to buy the right thing. Amen? Don't rely on the coupon. Use the coupon if you need to use the coupon. But don't rely on the coupon. Rely on the Lord. If, listen, now you don't have to do that. You don't have to. But if we're not willing to do the bare minimum, to do the very least of things, Lord, what road should I drive on to get to the store I go to every single day? I might take this road every single, I might go down acres every day on my way to work. But Lord, show me which road to drive on today. You could be freed from an accident. You could be freed from traffic backup. You could be freed from construction that takes the city about five years to do on one road. Just ask the Lord. If we're not willing, you don't have to do it. If, if you've excelled in your faith and 
then kudos to you. But if we're not willing, just do those little measures. Lord, what time should I leave the house today? Lord, which brand should I buy today? I can guarantee you might not hear God go, get Horizon milk. He's not going to do that. But that's where you can practice listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Did you get something today? Again, we're talking expansion, but we got to lay the foundation of, of how to even receive anything from the Lord, and it requires faith, bold faith, faith that speaks up when people are trying to shut you up, faith that says things that doesn't make sense to most people, but it makes sense to him. Amen? That's what matters. And that's how we are able to receive from the Lord. Father God, we just thank you this morning.